So I mentioned in my article that I had been pondering Proverbs 3, and we read a large portion of it this morning in our morning psalm. So you've already been reminded of the promises it contains. And the verses that are best known are 5 and 6, verses that both Grace and Anna quoted as memory work during uh, Sunday school promotion, and verses that I thought had been on Paul and Nikki's wedding invitation. Uh, when I asked Nikki about it, she said, no, it wasn't on their invitation. They had included the words, I have found the one whom my soul loves from Song of Solomon on their invitation. Well, my recollection of those words being on a wedding invitation was validated, however, when I mentioned it to Marilyn. They were on our <laughs> wedding invitation. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, you know, translations vary, and I'm not even certain that any translation actually says it the way I like it best. But my favorite way to recite it is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You know, 42 years ago, Marilyn and I really didn't know where God was going to lead us. But we took comfort in the promise that he would direct our paths if we'd trust him. And as I reflect on the blessings we've experienced together in life, I think it's obvious that he has indeed directed our paths. And according to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he's promised to direct yours as well. If you'll trust him and lean not on your own understanding. Now, the promise is there. And as believers, we don't doubt it, but how do we know we're following his direction? That's the tricky part. You know, God has promised to lead us, but he seldom speaks with an audible voice. And he's not in the habit of sending detailed maps for us to follow. So how do we know which way to go? Perhaps we can gain some insight into this by observing how God directed Paul on his second missionary journey. And it wasn't as straightforward as you might think it would be for an apostle. Paul's plan was to visit brethren in every city he had evangelized on his first journey. His plan started falling apart when he and Barnabas got into an argument about taking John Mark. Mark, you recall, had abandoned them on the first journey, and Paul didn't want to risk taking him on the second. Barnabas, on the other hand, wanted to give him a second chance. The disagreement couldn't be resolved, so they split up. Barnabas and Mark sailed to Cyprus, and Paul and Silas traveled overland out of Syria. They went north through Cilicia into Galatia and revisited the cities of Derbe and Lystra and Iconium. That much was according to plan. But, but now what should Paul do? 
You know, Barnabas was covering Cyprus, so there was no need to head there. So where should Paul go? Well, he apparently decided to go to the Roman province of Asia to evangelize the cities that John would later address in the book of Revelation. Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and Ephesus. Those were the principal cities of the province. And it was apparently Paul's plan to go there. But God had other plans for him. And Paul soon hit a closed door. We're in Acts 16, verse 6. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we're taking this in little pieces today. And we've got to remember that Luke is condensing an account of travels that took several months into just a few words. I I wish we had more details, but we don't. He simply says... They passed through the Fergian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. It almost sounds like after he visited the cities of Galatia and added Timothy to the team, he just went through the rest of the region and Fergia heading somewhere. But where? Apparently, he wanted to head southwest from Pisidian Antioch into the province of Asia, the southwestern portion of modern Turkey. But somehow, the Holy Spirit closed the door and kept him from going there. The text says that Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. But it doesn't say how the Holy Spirit Stopped him. And there's been a lot of speculation about that down through the years. The Holy Spirit may have stopped him in a very direct and obvious manner. Silas was a prophet, so the Holy Spirit may have actually spoken through Silas. Paul, the Holy Spirit says, or he may have spoken directly to Paul. He was, after all, an apostle. I really doubt, however, that it was as direct as that. Because if it had have been, they would have no doubt also been given new orders and specifically told where they were to go. But that didn't happen. So it may simply have been a conviction they both felt. Somehow they just knew they weren't to go there. They couldn't explain it. They just knew it. Or... Circumstances may have prevented them from preaching in Asia, and they simply assumed that God was making his will known through the circumstances. You know, maybe an avalanche or a flood cut off the roads, or maybe it was sickness. Perhaps it was just that no one would listen to them in those areas. They, they weren't ready to receive the gospel. Now, most are convinced that God can work through such means. But a word of warning here. Now, just because there are obstacles in the way doesn't necessarily mean God is closing the door. He may be testing our resolve. Or the enemy may be trying to hinder us. 
or it just may be an obstacle that we're expected to overcome. But obviously, circumstances can dictate a change of plans, and God may use circumstances to close a door and to direct our path. However, he closed the door to Asia. Paul and his associates recognized that God had done it, and so they headed in another direction, only to find a second door closed. Verse 7. And when they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Now, Mysia was a loosely defined region in the northwestern part of Asia Minor. So when the door to the south was closed, Paul and his party headed north. Apparently, when they got into Mysia, they didn't find many opportunities for evangelism, so they figured they were supposed to go into Bithynia and to the major port cities on the Black Sea. Surely that would be a good place to evangelize, and was where God wanted them to go. But the Spirit of Jesus didn't permit them to go there. And that door was closed also. Now, now why Luke says it was closed by the Spirit of Jesus instead of the Holy Spirit, we can't be sure. He would later say that God had called them to a particular area. So that may have been Luke's way of showing that the entire person of God was involved in directing Paul, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or it may indicate that Jesus actually appeared to Paul as he had done on the road to Damascus and personally told him not to go into Bithynia. We really don't know how it was closed, but it was closed. Two doors had been slammed shut. Paul couldn't go south or north. He had come from the east, so all that was left was to head west. But even that led to dilemma. Verse 8. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now, Troas was a seaport on the Aegean Sea, which is between the Black Sea to the north and the Mediterranean Sea to the south. You could go anywhere from Troas. So which way did they go? Well, apparently... They didn't know. They didn't know where to go. In fact, it, it doesn't look like they even knew whether they were just supposed to stay there and evangelize or set sail to somewhere else. But if elsewhere, where? I imagine they were getting a little frustrated. You know, come on, God. Why don't you make it plain? Tell us what you want and we'll do it. You didn't let us go south like we wanted, so we headed north. You threw up a wall there, so we came here. Now what? Now maybe you can identify with their frustration. If you've ever had a door close, then headed in another direction, only to find it closed too. You know how they must have felt. So what do you do in those circumstances? Maybe the best thing is to simply wait on the Lord. Trust that he knows what he's doing, even if you don't. 
And when the time is right, he'll point you in the right direction. Now, that doesn't mean you're to do nothing while you wait. I can't imagine Paul pining away while waiting in Troas. No doubt he was doing what he could while there, doing what he knew God wanted him to do wherever he was. I think he's probably still a little bit anxious, wondering what God had in store for him. And before long, God gave him direction. Verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, Paul was given pretty clear direction here through a vision in the night. A certain man from Macedonia appeared, standing, appealing, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, who this certain man was, we're not told. Some have suggested it was a vision of the most famous Macedonian of all, Alexander the Great. Others believe it was Luke, because he was from Macedonia. And it'll become apparent in the next verse that it was in Troas that he joined the missionary team. But the truth is, we really don't know who the man in the vision was. All we know for sure is that he was from Macedonia, and that he said, come over and help us. So Paul knew where to head. God hadn't left him without a sense of direction, at least not for long. And he won't leave us without direction either. If we want to be led, God will see to it that we have the direction we need. It probably won't be a vision in the night, but he will give us a sense of direction. And it may not be as specific as we'd like, but God won't leave us without direction if we're looking for it. And if we're willing to trust by faith that we found it when it's given. Now, we should note that even the vision wasn't as detailed as we might have imagined. Paul and his companions still had to think things through and make a decision based on the direction they'd been given. Verse 10. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, did you notice the change in pronouns here? Earlier it was they, now it's we and us. Apparently the author joined them here. Luke was a doctor, and some speculate that Paul needed the services of a doctor for his thorn in the flesh. Maybe that's what had closed the doors for him. But whatever the case, Luke is now in the picture. The evangelistic party now consists of Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. And apparently, Paul shared his vision with them. And together, they concluded what God wanted them to do. Now, I think it's very instructive 
that they had to do some concluding that God's will still wasn't perfectly clear. In fact, Paul could have dismissed the vision as a result of frustration. You know how we dream sometimes. Maybe he could have dismissed it as a spicy meal. (laughs) Or maybe just having met Luke. Remember, God did not identify himself as the author of the vision. It wasn't God speaking. It was a certain man from Macedonia. So how did they know the vision was from God? How did they conclude it was of God? Quite simply, they had to practice discernment. They had to ask themselves, who might be speaking? And then decide whether the message they received was consistent with what they did know of God's will for them. If it passed the test of spiritual discernment and consistency with the revealed will of God, then they simply stepped out on faith, trusting God and believing that he was giving them the direction they needed. Now, discerning God's direction is seldom easy. It always requires some element of faith and is seldom crystal clear. After all, we walk by faith, not by sight. And the fact that they discern God's will together is significant. You know, Paul just didn't announce what they were going to do. He didn't say, I had a vision, now I know where we're going, so let's go, guys. He didn't do that. They concluded that God had called them to present the gospel in Macedonia. They worked it out together. And we can get a sense of direction when all who are seeking God's will agree. I don't think it's ever healthy for just one individual in a church or in a family to say, this is God's will. If we all are trusting God, we're seeking his will together, we discern it together. Very, very important. I think we can get a sense of God's direction when we agree. I think unanimity among believers can be a very valuable avenue of discerning and confirming God's will. Now, that's the way the elders confirm that they have discerned the Lord's will for our church. They work to unanimity. And I think we should be doing that in our personal lives as well. It shouldn't just be a declaration. I know what God wants me to do now because God told me. A little arrogant, a little presumptuous. Work together with God's people, seeking to discern and then confirm together what God is doing. That's what they did here. Now they knew where to head. And they immediately sought passage for Macedonia. There was no question about it. God wanted the gospel proclaimed in Europe. But even then, they wouldn't know specifically where to go once they got there. 
they still did not have a detailed map to follow. But they did know which way to head. You know, God was leading them. And they would simply have to remain open to his leading. They would have to constantly depend on him for guidance and do their very best to follow it as best they could. One step at a time. That's the way he wants us to follow. He wants us to walk daily in harmony with his will, trusting that he is leading and confident that we are following. He wants to walk through life with us, and he wants us to walk through life with him. And we can rest assured that God is directing our paths if we've asked him to, and if we are committed to doing his will wherever and however he leads us that way. Now, the question isn't, does he still lead? The question is, are you willing to go where he wants you to go? If you want him to lead and are willing to follow where he leads, he promises to lead you. The writer of Proverbs had it right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You're not going to get it all figured out. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path.